Hey there, welcome to Football Outsiders Live, Shots and Tanya Thursday edition. I'm Aaron Schatz, the Editor-in-Chief of Football Outsiders, joined as always by Mike Tanya to talk about this week's games. Our special guest this week, you know him from Scramble for the Ball and this year's new Loser League column where he got to write all about the Davis Mills experience this week. Brian <laughs> Knowles is here. And hey, now... That was probably our last mention of Davis Mills, because in previewing this week's games, we are probably not going to be previewing the Patriots and Texans. Uh-huh. Uh, no big explosive breaking news today, unlike yesterday when Stefan Gilmore got traded while we were doing this show. That was fun. That was a good time. Today, yeah. uh, Justin Fields got announced as the official quarterback of the Bears right before we started the show. This week, just injury updates <laughs> for non-West Coast teams, I guess. And don't forget the non-injury update on Jimmy Garoppolo because Kyle Shanahan is saying maybe he'll be healthy suddenly. Maybe or, he'll or, be healed. Or maybe Arizona will have to prepare for both of them. Oh, gosh. <laughs> my guess is that unlike Matt Nagy, uh, Kyle Shanahan will have a different – game plan with Trey Lance as his starting quarterback than he would with Jimmy Garoppolo as his starting quarterback. Are you suggesting he's going to trade two different players differently in some way? Yes, and feature the strength of each player would be my guess. I, I don't follow. Why would somebody do that? I don't know. Matt Nagy does not follow because that's scheme and he doesn't discuss scheme. <laughs> Uh, reminder that we are here at 1 p.m. Eastern every weekday doing a Football Outsiders Live. Uh, Thursdays are our big weekend game preview shows. Tomorrow will be Scott Spratt talking about DFS, uh, Fantasy Football, DraftKings, FanDuel, etc. You can catch us on YouTube Live, Twitch. Uh, you can catch us after the fact on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network. So make sure you're checking out our shows every day. And every week, and let's get to the games. Let's get to the games of week five, starting with Thursday night with the LA Rams at the Seattle Seahawks. So the Rams go to the playoffs in 85% of our sims if they win, 62% if they lose. And it's an even bigger game for Seattle 71% of the sims where they win, only 43% if they lose. Ooh. And this game features the number two and number three pass offenses in the league so far this year, according to DVOA. So I'm expecting lots of points. And in fact, in the ESPN best bets column today, my best bet was to go over 54.5 on this game. Hmm. Yeah, I don't hate that. I don't hate that. I'm not playing it, but I don't hate it. I'm rolling, I am rolling with the Rams tonight. I don't know what you what your thought on this is, Brian. I think that uh, Sean McVay against what the Seahawks are calling their cover three is a significant <laughs> mismatch. Uh, there were plenty of open receivers last week and just the Niners, you know, we have an injured Jimmy Garoppolo and a raw Trey Lance couldn't hit them. Matthew Stafford is going to hit open receivers when, when they're there. At the same time, I'm not sure how the health of Rams are going to handle Russell Wilson. Uh, Kyler Murray gave him all kinds of trouble uh, last week. I think he was like 24 of 32. He ran for like 40 yards. Well, Russell Wilson's been doing that since Kyler Murray's been in high school, so this is going to be a very, very interesting matchup to me. I think it's going to be closer than you think, Mike. If only yeah, you might be right. 
Maybe that's just Seahawks PTSD for me, but I I, I think this one's going to be good. I, my theory right now is that the system has got the Seahawks and the Chargers split. They flipped, and they, they, you know, there's like a, a mistake in there, and then we're going to say, oh, that's what happened. That's why the Chargers are low and the Seahawks are high. I mean, I know what you're saying because the Rams dealing with Kyler Murray, dealing with all those weapons last week, they're slow at linebacker. They're not good at nickel, uh, you know, beyond Ramsey at corner. They're not real strong there. So if you diversify the offense, and, and, and the Seahawks can do that now. I just look at the Seahawks at, uh, offense, and I, I, I know I see the stats in the passing game. Seahawks will go four, five, six series in a row of three and out and look, look the Jets. They'll look putrid on offense. And then they'll roll 90 yards for a touchdown, and maybe they'll do it again. But it's like this, this start and stop thing. They do not look like a number three pass offense to me. They look like – this thing where you know if it's if it's good it's working really really good but when it's bad and it's frequently bad it's going to get them far behind against a really strong opponent it feels like they don't always get out of their own way which is a problem they they like start you know that run on first down run on second down incomplete on third and punt they <laughs> they really love that and they keep doing it over and over and then it seems like the second and third quarter they go oh right we can pass early and then all of a sudden everything kicks into gear you're right I mean, I went and looked, like, is the issue that Seattle was really good on offense for the first couple of weeks of the season? And then nope. that felt, no, it wasn't. It's nope. just, they just come out in our system as being very good on offense. And I think if you look, if I remember correctly, they're leading the league in yards per play. They might be. And they might be, because of all the three and outs, they run fewer plays. And it's not a situation, because a lot of times you'll say, oh, you know, the three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, then they score. Must have been a 60-yard touchdown. They must be a very boom or bust offense. No, they sustain drives when they're sustaining drives. It's just when they're not sustaining drives, they do not sustain drives. And it's not even a first quarter, first half adjustment type of thing, because they came out very strong against the Colts, came out very strong against the Titans, and then stopped. Stopped at the beginning of the game against the 49ers. You watched that, Brian. It's it the so opposite of the first half, second half adjustment. They've been really hot in first half and really not hot in second half. Not against the 49ers, though, where it was ugly in the first half. And the, the Niners would have rolled out had the kicker been healthy, had they you know gotten a little you know better third down plays, et cetera. Um, and the Seahawks just couldn't do anything until, I guess, like uh, the two-minute drill. And then suddenly they came alive. Uh, the reason why I think this game is going to be closer than you think it's going to be is because the Rams' defense has not been good this year. I mean, I think they're better than what they have been, but they're 20th right now in DVOA. Mm -hmm. um, like you said, the linebackers are not that great. Uh, right. I think Darius Williams is, is better than you might give him credit for at corner, but David Long is not. The Rams <laughs> now are eighth against passes on the left side of the offense. That's Darius Williams is mostly over there. Mm -hmm. And they're 25th against passes on the right side of the offense, which is mostly where David Long is. And I think whichever uh, receiver is not being covered by Ramsey, they want to get up against David Long as much as possible, uh, you know, of the top two receivers, because there aren't a lot of teams that have a drop from the top two receivers to everybody else. Right. The way the Seahawks do with uh, Metcalf and uh, Lockett. Right, right. I'm still rolling with the Rams. You haven't talked me out of them. The um, other thing I'll point out is that the Seahawks have a big defensive weakness that the Rams can't really take advantage of, which is the Seahawks have given up 289 receiving yards so far to running backs. Hmm. But the Rams have only 85 receiving yards by running backs, which is 29th in the league. They do not pass to their running backs much. And I don't know what the deal is with Daryl Henderson's health. He did play last week, but apparently right. he's still a little dinged up. 
I I think they can work underneath though. Maybe they'll work underneath with Higby. Uh, again, with the Seahawks, one of the things you can do is if you keep them in base, you're keeping right. personnel they insist on putting on the field and putting in the roles that are not good at. So I, I think McFay will find a way to exploit that. Whether he gets Henderson involved a little bit, finds somebody who can catch the ball, it's not going to be Sony, um, or perhaps uses the tight ends more. The nightmare for the Seahawks is that they end up where they're playing zone defense and they have the linebacker covering Cooper Cup in the slot. Ooh. I want to like, see that. They have got to make sure that that does not happen. Like, I mean, you, you said they, they struggle against running backs. Well, Cup has lined up in the backfield a number of times. So, you know, just stick him wherever you want. And That's true. Nobody lines up their receivers in the backfield quite as much as yeah. the Rams do. So they totally could take advantage of that. Wow. That's cool. I mean, I feel like this is close. I mean, if you, you know, if I had to favor a team to win tonight, I would go with the Rams, but I think it's closer than than you think it is. Although it's tough to go Seahawks. Like our system likes the Seahawks as a like more likely to cover, but with only a two and a half point line, like I feel a lot stronger going with the Seahawks if the line was three or three and a half than a two and a half. What's the money? I'm going to check the money line real quick. Maybe you'd rather go that way. Get 115 plus 115 on money line with the Seahawks if you don't think those two points are worth it. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, I do kind of favor the Rams, but I think it's close. Okay. Um, so the other interesting stat I found on this game, the Seahawks are first in DVOA on offense on second downs. <laughs> the Rams are first on third downs. Okay. Well, third down you can you can work off of in terms of this is a strength of the team because of their passing game or their short rushing game or whatever. Second down, how, what do you, how do you interpret that? I always interpreted that as when your offense can do anything. Okay. You're really good, right? Because it's like you could run, you could pass. It's not necessarily a running down. But I, I, I never know whether the second down stuff is really consistent or not. Right. And, I mean, the third down stuff tends to regress a little bit. So Right. Um, but it's just I just think that's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic between the two teams is, uh, as far as what they're good at on offense. This is a very weird. The Seahawks are just a very weird thing. Where what I see on the screen and what I see when we do the stats, that seem like almost like two different teams. I feel like it was that way in the preseason. I feel like the way people talked about the Seahawks in the preseason, our projections were just very different from that. And yeah. I always feel like Seahawks fans talk about their defense as if it's the worst defense that has ever taken the field in the NFL. Yeah. When efficiency wise it's not even the worst defense in the league this year. No. They just, they've faced the most number of plays, partly because the offense going three and out a lot, like you talked about. Right, right. You know, but when you have a regular bad defense after years of having possibly the greatest defense, everything looks terrible. Right, right. Uh, the next game we want to talk about is the Green Bay Packers at the Cincinnati Bengals. Surprise, surprising <laughs> Bengals three and one. Yes. Pack, Packers make the playoffs in 85% of our Sims if they win this game, 70% if they lose. Yeah. <laughs> Bengals, 58% if they win, 38% if they lose. This seems kind of like, like we're going to get to the Bills and Chiefs at the end, mm -hmm. but this is kind of like a mini version of the Bills and Chiefs in that the Packers are much, especially if you ignore week one, much yeah. better on offense than they are on defense. And the Bengals have been driven by, 
like, again, surprise, their defense this year, although some of that is that we are not fully incorporating schedules. The Bengals are fifth on defense, but they paid the number 31 schedule of opposing teams so far. So it's like, I don't know what's for real. I don't know what's is. Are the Bengals for real? Like against Jacksonville, that did not look like a top 10 team. No, God, no. (laughs) No. Love of God. No, no, it's they're not. And, and, um, you know, if you go back to like, like every game so far has been like, like a litmus test for the other team. It's not a Bengals game. It's an opponent facing the Bengals and we're going to see how the opponent stacks up. So week one, the Vikings go out, they lay an egg. It looks like they're unprepared. They, they, 15 penalties is third and 20 the entire game. Uh, then you go out there and the Bears get a win. And I think right. that Bears another offense. close game. Like yeah. both of the first two games were close. Like close. Close. Right. So the idea, well, maybe the Bengals offense really hasn't figured out. Well, they give up pick sixes. And in terms of the Bengals defense being really good, well, they faced Justin Fields unprepared for a half, you know, just kind of running around. I think there was weather in that game. I'm not sure. Um, you go against the Steelers, and the Steelers, of course, is a big win for Bengals fans. But it's like, okay, that's the old man Roethlisberger situation. They got out there, they got turnovers, they got a couple drives, and they get a win there. And then this last one was – I don't even know what to say about that. It was 14 nothing. It was about to be 21 nothing. Jaguars at half. And then three hours later we're talking about lap dances or whatever. And, we're, you know. That's been the Bengals all year. They have started – they've come out flat in basically every game. Huh. Their offense goes from 21st to 12th in DVOA between the first and second halves. Hmm. Defense jumps from 14 to 3rd. They keep coming out flat, and you can do that against the Jaguars. You can come back. If they come out flat against the Packers, they're going to get blown off the field. Yeah. I do think their defensive line is for real when we're watching stuff. Their uh, Hendrickson and Reader are winning. I don't think their cornerbacks are real at all. I think that's, you know, Justin Fields, uh, you know, unprepared. I think that's Roethlisberger not being able to throw the ball two yards downfield. I have <laughs> also, no faith in Apple and Wayne's. This might be the first game they can put all their cornerbacks on the field at the same time because right. TD Awuzier, who we didn't know whether we're pronouncing his name right, played in the first three games and then missed the fourth game. Trey Waynes missed the first three games and then played in the fourth game. I believe this will be the first game where they have both Awuzier and Waynes healthy for the game. Well, they're going to need them. Yeah. <laughs> right, absolutely. against the Packers, who, I mean, no Marquez Valdez-Scantling, but honestly, Is he- it's – you know, the other guys are just made good by the fact that Aaron Rodgers is throwing to them and Devontae yeah. Adams is absorbing the coverage on the other side of the field. Like, I can't imagine there's that much of a downgrade from MVS to Alan Lazard. They're not getting the ball thrown to them because Aaron Rodgers doesn't like them. So that's what's, you know, so they, you could put a, you could put whatever, a statue, a crash test dummy out there and it's fine. The Bengals, they remind me of like a slightly upgraded version of the Giants because. They can throw deep. They're actually very good at throwing deep, and they kind of know they're very good at throwing deep, and their defense is kind of okay. That was supposed to be a problem for Burrow, right? Arm strength was supposed to be an issue. Yeah, well, it's not so much arm strength. as like he's got receivers streaking down the field. He can just just put it over the top, and he's got to kind of get rid of it quickly. The line is better than it was last year, but not great. So they've got this, but the coaching staff is not going to do them any favors in these wins. (laughs) <laughs> and I think that's what you saw in the first half of that game against the, the the Jaguars. I have no idea what that game plan was. That nonsense before at halftime like made my head explode. Where they're kneeling on the ball or taking what was it? They were taking delayed game penalties. I've never. I was watching a high school game on Friday night and I didn't see them kneel to take delay game penalties uh, before halftime. So 
you know, they're better than that, but that coaching staff is not going to get them a win because they're going to be like, you know what, we're not going to, we're going to get away from throwing deep and try to establish the play action game or whatever they're trying to do in the first quarters and first halves. It's notable that I think the two biggest plays for the Bengals this year would be the, the uh, overtime pass against Minnesota and then yeah. the past two and the past to kill have both been, oh, Joe Burrow audible to something else. It's never yeah. been, oh, you know, here's a great play by Zach Taylor. No, it's always been, oh, Joe Burrow was freelanced and a great play happened. Right. And it's rather telling. So let's hear it for Joe Burrow's personal connection to Jamar Chase, right? I guess uh, that's, <laughs> that's one uh, piece of evidence to support the idea of uh, drafting receivers who've already played with your quarterback in the past. Oh, my God. Is Joe Burrow going to turn into Aaron Rodgers? Where he just calls places the line and blames his coaches for everything. Oh my God, that's good for him. Yeah, yeah, it's a good choice for him. I don't, I, I wouldn't hold it against him. I think um, the Packers, right? We know that there are depth issues at corner, and then they're seventh against first wide receivers, but thirty first against second wide receivers. And then Jair Alexander's injured now, Ooh. so um, the Bengals should be able to be throwing and gaining yards through the air. Yeah. yeah, if the Bengals can come out and actually play football for like from the beginning of the game, I think this one is actually going to be pretty good. I think so. It's going to be close because, yeah, I, I like Chase and Boyd, and I think T. Higgins is coming back. I like that against the Packers secondary. I think it both, yeah. both guys are going to like 800 yards in this one. I think a lot depends on the Alexander thing. Let me look up what his sort of status is. There's, there's no wondering if he needs shoulder surgery, which is, does not bode well for his appearance on Sunday. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he is expected. He has a sprained AC joint, and they are trying to avoid surgery at all costs. Oh, brother. And they signed Rasul Douglas off Arizona's practice squad. Zool! That's bad. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I think I, I'm comfortable with the Packers winning this game. It's that, it's that playoff chase now when you just start losing. You've got this handful of above-the-marquee defensive players that you were counting on to keep that defense going, and they were all disappearing one by one. That's a, that's a sign that you're, you know, maybe you win that division, whatever. You're not going to Well, that's it. the thing is for the Packers at this point, I think it's almost fait accompli that they win the division. It's just mm -hmm. who is who will be healthy in January. It's like almost right. like missing guys now won't even matter that much as long as they're healthy in January. Right. Like, get Jair Alexander the surgery. I mean, <laughs> right. Because right. miss if he misses a month, that's fine because who who's taking over the division? Minnesota? Like, no. <laughs> so, um, you know, just be prepared for the playoffs. Everything's about being prepared for the playoffs for them. At this yeah. Point. Yeah. Well, if they're avoiding surgery, they're not thinking that way. Um, the line is currently uh, – oh, wow, it's changed. It's Green Bay by three. I thought it was more than that. I mean – Getting an update as we speak. Yeah, I Green Bay minus three. The Vegas insider consensus is Green Bay by three. I think that despite the Alexander injury, I'm going to favor Green Bay by three. I think I would go Green Bay by three in this game. I agree. I'm not. I'm not running to play this game. I'm not running off to put the, put the mortgage on this game. But I would. I would favor the Packers. If I had more faith in Zach Taylor, I'd be tempted to take the Bengals plus three, but I just don't. I just I still don't feel like the Bengals don't feel like a possible playoff team to me. No, just I, when 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 you surprise early by beating up on an easy schedule, you need to beat up on the easy schedule, like the Panthers. Like their wins were big enough that that, that 
you're like, okay, they're beating up on bad teams. Maybe there's something for real here. The Bengals are just like inching by mediocre teams. Right. Well, that might work in the AFC. It's not a strong conference this year. Yeah. Dolphins fall off. All the AFC South also runs fall off. If we figure the Broncos fall off for injuries, et cetera, you can kind of make that final wild card resume out of that. Which is Maybe. more than the Bengals have had in years. So, you know, enjoy this, Bengals fans. You you are relevant. <laughs> ah, we're doing that's true. I did not expect that we would be doing a Bengals game when I picked yeah. the five or six biggest games of the week for this show. <laughs> So uh, hello again, by the way, just to everybody, if you joined us because we're on the front page carousel of Twitch today, hi, we talk football every day at 1 p.m. Eastern here, Football Outsiders Live. So make sure you join us every day at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'm Aaron Schatz. I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders. Mike Tanier and I do Wednesday and Thursday shows. Uh, I do a Monday show where we review the weekend. Tuesday and Friday are Scott Spratt talking fantasy football So. Come and join us every weekday, 1 p.m. Eastern. The next game we want to cover is the Cleveland Browns at the Los Angeles Chargers. Browns, 81% of the time, make the playoffs if they win, 57% if they lose. Chargers, 63% if they win, 36% if they lose. And that, of course, incorporates the fact that our numbers didn't like either the Browns or the Chargers as much as conventional wisdom going into this year and don't like the Chargers as much as conventional wisdom in this year. This is the prove-me-wrong game where one of these teams will make me look very smart and the other team will make me look like an idiot. And new new viewers, this is a Chargers-hater site. I don't know why it's a Chargers-hater site, but our statistics hate the Chargers. the Chargers. Yeah, we like them. We're, really, we're, we're neutral about them. But our statistics have some sort of uh, uh, issue with the Chargers this year. No, I mean, I would say we like them. We feel like... You know, Brandon Staley is a very analytics forward thinking head coach. That's positive. Yeah. Uh, Justin Herbert seems like a very talented quarterback. That's the best thing to have on your team. Uh, nobody on the Chargers that I can think of has gotten in off field trouble where you're like, you know, <laughs> right. I, I curse the name of Joe Mixon. You know? like, <laughs> right. There's none of that that I can think of. So I'm, I'll, I'm happy to say personally, I like the Chargers. Yes. I mean, I, I personally like the Browns more because um, if you use the idea of the most happiness for the most people, the Browns shockingly winning a Super Bowl would make more people happy than the Chargers shockingly winning a Super Bowl. And and, and that's what our analytics are all about, folks. <laughs> Bringing more joy into the world. We're, we're weirdly defensive. Well, that's, one of my, that's, that's one of my rooting interests, right? I have yeah. generally three rooting interests. One, I'm a Patriots fan. Right. Two, I like to be right in my predictions. And three, I like teams with big fan bases that haven't won in a long time to win. That's your Patriots fan guilt kicking in. You know, that's the old Patriots fan from 20 years ago. <laughs> right, right. I was where you were. But, I mean, you know, like, for example, Cleveland, right? Like, it would be amazing to see Cleveland win a championship. Yes. The Chargers, there would be, like, six people in San Diego going, we never gave up on this team. <laughs> <laughs> on a beautiful on a beautiful 75-degree afternoon at the beach in January and February. So, uh so do we're going to disagree. We're going to disagree on this game because yes. the Browns are currently higher than the Chargers in all three phases of the game, including offense. And I know that sounds 
wacko and it's only by a little tiny bit. I think the big issue here is what is the meaning of Mayfield's shoulder injury? Because right. the Browns, so here's the interesting thing about the Browns in, in the last two weeks when Mayfield's shoulder was apparently hurt. Their offense went from 32% in the first two weeks to minus eight mm-hmm. in DOA in the last two weeks. But their defense, for no reason, like not connected to any injuries whatsoever, went from plus 11, which is bad, right, in the first two weeks, to minus 49 in the last two weeks. So if mm-hmm. there's, there's no reason why the defense should suddenly be better. I don't know if there's any reason why the offense should suddenly be worse. It is his non-throwing shoulder. I can think of a reason the defense got better. Their opponents. Yeah. Now, granted, one of them was the Vikings, so you, you don't want to get too deep into that. But I think that has something to do with it. Yeah, the well, this is adjustment for opponent. I mean, they walloped their opponents. They walloped the Bears. Right. But, I mean, I don't know injuries well enough to know how much it matters that your non-throwing shoulder is hurt. Right. But it is true that the Browns, on both running and passing, have not been as good the last two weeks as they were the first two weeks. Yeah, I don't know how much it matters in general. It does certainly seem to matter for Mayfield because his accuracy just plummeted. I mean, that watching the yeah. Minnesota game was painful because yeah. there were plays there. There were plays open, and Baker didn't or couldn't hit them. Right. And that's not going to work when Justin Herbert's on the other end. You're going to have to keep up a little bit. Right. Yeah, anything downfield. They had a couple shots over the middle that were kind of like that big hole shot, and he was able to hit those. And just about everything else he had trouble with. A couple of things I, I dug up. Of course, they're having receiver injury problems there in Cleveland too. The, the Browns wide receivers are dead last in the league in catches by wide receivers. I believe the number is 28. So everything is getting funneled to the backs and to the tight ends, and they're getting a lot out of their screen game. I believe they lead the league in yards per attempt on screens, mostly to hunt. Uh, the uh, Felton, the other running back, and you know Chubbs kicked in, and there's a couple of receiver screens. So it's manufactory right now on the passing game. It is the receivers are it's Odell run deep and hope take guys with you. And maybe we'll take a shot. And it's that running game, and it's the the screen game. And they've and they've got some mind injuries too. The left tackle is hurt, and I think that's another thing that has me wary about them this week. But I feel like the manufactory thing might work against the Chargers. So the Chargers' pass defense has been awesome. It's been fourth in the league. But they're second against deep passes, but 16th against short passes. Okay. So maybe the manufacturing thing is the way to go. And then the other thing is their run defense has sucked. Like <laughs> against Vegas, their run defense has been 25th for the season. Mm-hmm. And that includes the Vegas game where it was good. And the Browns running game, of course, is second in the league behind only Dallas. We know how important that is. So, I mean, if I'm the Browns, um, it is very rare in DVOA to be more efficient running than passing, right? Right. You're almost always, no matter what the rank is in each category, your passing is almost always better than your running, unless you're such a bad team that your passing is just, you know, you're Houston or something. Davis Mills. You mentioned Houston again. Davis Mills. Um, the Browns are more efficient on the ground than they are when they pass this year. So, <laughs> yeah. like, I would think they would just want to run this down the throat of the Chargers all yeah. year. I, you're not going to beat a good offense that way. You're not going to beat, I think, the offense that we saw on Monday night that way. Uh, so I, I can't get behind that. You're, you, you know, okay, they're going to stop the run. They're going to be more efficient. I, I'm still looking at like so much of the this is the opponents that they face. They face the Texans too. The Texans are in their data. 
So that that's the other thing is that DVOA doesn't think the Chargers offense has been that great until last week. Last week they were. Last yeah. week they were. Yeah. But right, I mean, the, first of all, you want to talk about adjusting for opponent, they played the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they played Washington, who their defense has had problems, you know, despite the strength of that front four, it turns out their defense has had problems all year. Yes. Um, they're just, they're living off third downs. They're 22nd on first down, but fifth on third down. Mm. Um, and interestingly, the Browns defense is the opposite. They're fourth on first down, but 27th on third down. So I would think it's more likely on that your third down performance regresses to match your performance overall. So the Chargers are likely not going to be as good on third downs going forward, and the Browns' defense is likely to be better on third downs going forward. Okay, I I, I disagree. <laughs> I don't think it's I don't think it's enough. I think it's a big stack of stuff that comes back to the other team can't throw the ball. It mostly comes. I mean, most for you, it mostly comes down to Herbert is awesome and Mayfield is hurt to a degree. That's big. Yeah. So I'm arguing about all this other stuff that's going on with these teams. And right. So yeah, that's kind of what it boils down to. It's like this this is a passing game that cannot sustain its offense. That is one game. You go ahead, Brian. I'll be interested to see if that because the one reason the Chargers were so low on offense in our numbers is that they couldn't do anything in the red zone for the first two or three weeks. Right. Right. And that also bounced back and in a good way. Right. So I'm interested to see. That's what I'm watching for this week. If that actually has bounced back, or if that was like a one-week fluke against Las Vegas, where everything just started clicking properly, because if they if they get stopped in the red zone repeatedly, then you can like you know have long drives at the running games, punch them in there. If you can if you get slow down Herbert and limit his number of possessions, then I think the Browns have a shot in this one. But if what we saw last week is what the Chargers are going to be going forward, this <laughs> one's going to get ugly early. And those red zones, there were two illegal shift penalties at the goal line in two different games. At some point, the coaches can fix illegal shift. Let's line up properly, guys. And then you had things like the in the grasp sack. There were like some plays there where it's like, like when I look at the Eagles in the red zone, it's like this team is not built for goal to go. You know, we want to believe that coaches can fix that, but I'm blown away by well-coached teams that still get called for things like illegal formation. It just randomly happens that the, the tight end forgets to take two steps forward. Like even really well coached teams get called for that stuff just randomly. They do on and off, but this is like twice at the goal line. So it's like a package of plays where they got to say, okay, walk through on Wednesday, everybody show up. We're going to line up properly 10 times in a row until we got it. I think that's, I think that's fixable. It's not like, like I was going to say the Eagles offense where it's like, well, if we can't, send the safeties 45 yards down the field. We can't do anything offensively. Uh, that's not where the Chargers are. I think that they were just a weird series of like not necessarily repeatable mistakes in the red zone. So the line on this game is currently uh, Chargers by one and a half. Oh, really? That's changed. Chargers I'm, take- by one and a half. I'm taking the Browns. Our numbers are love the Browns in this game. I made this my pick of the week. My video like our numbers love the browns in this game like love them and i i i i I didn't really think about the mayfield injury when i did that and i i understand the mayfield injury makes that less of a likelihood but i still i think the browns can run the chargers out of the stadium i think uh and i you know home field advantage doesn't matter at all this year but i mean once again my guess is that the road fans will outnumber the home fans 
that's interesting because when I when I checked on on Monday these lines because I do for scramble and whatnot, Cleveland was favored by one, so the money has come in pretty strongly on the Chargers since then. It's was two, there two at one point? The, the, two I don't know. The, the opening line is listed as pick'em. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it bumped up slightly, and then then everyone got oh, it wait, went the other way. Yeah. What? It's minus two where I'm at. So you you would take Chargers minus two. I take Chargers minus two. I'm taking it. It's not my favorite game of the week by any stretch of the imagination, but I would take it. And again, I think part of it, if, if I was wavering and I was persuaded by, and I would be persuaded by a lot of this stuff, the Mayfield injury and what I saw last week is just, is just a big barrel of no, you know, the idea that, that they're going to be balanced enough on offense to move the ball to their side and get to like 23 points, 24 points. I mean, there's no doubt that last week was the Chargers best game. Yes. So as far as recency bias, you know, in the in our minds, what we have in our minds is the Chargers' best game because it was last week and it was national. And an upset against the Chiefs. So that's half the season. Yeah. Our recency bias is half of the, the sample size is that. And uh, then you had, you know, a game against the, the, the Cowboys that was pretty close, as I remember. I don't know. It, you know, I'm still stuck with the fact that DVOA just feels like the game with the Chiefs was basically a tie. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of see where that comes from because so much of it was turnover based. Yeah, but you know, it's still you just you just beat the Chiefs. So I'm going Browns plus two. You're going Chargers minus yes. two. Brian, I'll take the Browns. I'll take the Browns with the points. When I don't know what to do, I take the points. Go right. points! Woo! Browns <laughs> and points. Like I said, though, one of these teams will be four right. and one, and I will look like a chump. And one of these teams will be three and two, coming off a loss, and I'll be like. Yeah, see, I told you that the Browns' defense wasn't going to be that good, or I told that the Chargers' defense wasn't going to be. I mean, both of these teams I thought would be good on offense, but yeah. just um, remember which just remember which one to promote. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely it's going to be an interesting. The Chargers are going to be an interesting team for the rest of the year, and then to go back and work on our projection system for the future because it really did have them sort of coming back to the pack and offense. And I've got to figure out what the indicator is that right. that's not going to happen. Like the indicator is Herbert's really good, but we also would have said Dak Prescott's really good after Dak Prescott's rookie year. And Dak Prescott totally came back to the pack in his second Carson. Year. What is there about Herbert and Car Well, Carson <laughs> Wentz went, no, Carson Wentz went year two. better and then year better two. And worse and worse. Year one was the yak year, and we're not going to talk about that. Year two was third down rate was through the absolute roof. Like third and 15 was a gimme for the Eagles for the Super Bowl year for like right. 10, 11 weeks. But that and wasn't Wentz's first year. That was Wentz's like third That was the second. That was the second year. Todd Singer says, it's kind of funny that we hate the Chargers now because one of the <laughs> earliest versions of DVOA – was higher on the Chargers than consensus because of poor third down proficiency the prior year. Yes, in the very, very early days of Football Outsiders, we called the breakout of the 2004 Chargers. That's awesome. We were really high on the Chargers when nobody was. You see that? And see that. it was because of bad third down play the year before. That's a really early version. Can you, you Next year is going to be Football Outsiders' 20th season. Wow. You know, I don't like I've been doing this a long time. Like I realized that a video uh, stream is the wrong time to talk about how old you are, but I've been doing this a long time now. You know, the Civilization video games just the 30th anniversary. So they made that available Civ 1 and Civ 2. So you can like do 
do these little sprites and things like that. We oh. should make DVOA one and like the original site uh, available for uh, with the with the two double frames that we have. Oh, oh my god! Windows and it burns. Uh, it burns. Civ two is still a classic, man. Civ two is so good. <laughs> yes. Uh, next game to cover. Now we're going into the afternoon game. Uh, I, or, is Browns and Chargers an afternoon game? Yeah, I think yeah. we've already hit the 4 p.m. Yep. Okay, so we're the 49ers at the Cardinals. Yeah. So the Cardinals currently make the playoffs 89% of the time when they – are you laughing because somebody pointed out that Football Outsiders started when he was six years old? I am. Philbo Baggins. Oh, my gosh. I'm so old. Continue, Aaron. I'm sorry. I'm having a moment here. Cardinals make the playoffs 89% of the time if they win, 69% if they lose, 49ers 67% if they win, 39% if they lose. So, um, Brian, you're our, 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 our local 49ers fan. What's the latest on Garoppolo versus Lance? What's your feeling about Lance's first game? Who would you rather see on the field in this game, Garoppolo or Lance, with a full week of practice and a game plan built around him, which they didn't have last week? Well, the latest is Shanahan can't confirm who's going to be alive on Sunday, so we have no <laughs> idea who's going to be starting. Um, well, they, Justin Fields, they asked Justin Fields about being the quarterback of the Bears for 10 to 15 years, and he said, I don't even know if we're all going to be on this planet in 10 to 15 years. <laughs> it was a match made in heaven. Clearly, it was. <laughs> yeah, he picked the wrong guy. <laughs> the wrong guy. Uh, so yeah, I'm I am kind of working on the assumption that the that saying that that uh, Garoppolo has a chance to play is a ploy to make Arizona have to prepare for two very different quarterbacks. Um, Singer points out that alive or dead is a scheme related question. It's a HIPAA violation. A HIPAA violation. The, the, um, the, the numbers that. What do, I, what do I think about Trey Lance? I think Trey Lance looked like he was a deer in the headlights uh, in the second half against Seattle. He was put into a situation he was not ready for. Uh, but I think that's because how much is, is he practicing the actual offense and how much versus how much is he practicing, uh, you know, the coming in for a play and doing his package things. I imagine he had very little practice putting on zero coming in. So he made some great athletic plays. Pretty much anything good he did against Seattle was where he said, oh, I'm going to suddenly start scrambling or I'm going to, you know, extend this play and find this guy open. Well, or Seattle to... completely busted coverage on Debo yes. Samuel. Well, yeah, if they can get the uh, no one looks at Debo Samuel play working, they're going to they're gonna win tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I what got me, I, I dove deep into the numbers because that's what I do when I'm panicking. And... Uh, <laughs> In the first half, with an injured Jimmy Garoppolo, because he got hurt on the on the very first series, the Niners had a, an offensive DVA of 3.4%. Mm. In the second half, with an unprepared and unready Trey Lance, if you exclude the Debo Samuel play, because that's not predictive, right. the Niners had an offensive DVA of 3.4%. Hmm. So an injured Garoppolo is was e e equivalent to an unprepared Lance. Well, that would suggest that a prepared Lance exactly. is probably better than an injured Garoppolo. And we've seen Garoppolo try to come back from injury before. The Miami game last year, Garoppolo came back uh, a week or two too early from the uh, high ankle sprain he had, Ooh. and he was just terrible. He couldn't yeah. plant, he couldn't throw. It was a disaster. So Garoppolo didn't practice Wednesday. Don't put him in if he's not healthy. I Frankly, I'm at the point where don't put him in at all because I'm ready for the fire factory. I think 
Shanahan has had such little confidence in Garoppolo this year. The offense is built around making the quarterback a, a non-essential piece. The Philadelphia game was a masterclass in we're not going to let our quarterback beat us. Yeah. So if you're doing that anyway, put in Lance. He needs the reps. He needs the experience. He's not going to get better sitting on the bench or just watching. If you're going to hold hands, hold the rookie's hand. Exactly. The second half against the Packers where there was like this eight-play series where it was nothing but sort of like option concepts and screens and misdirection. Like, why isn't the rookie doing this? Why isn't, you know, flaring the ball to Debo like as far away as, as my uh, end table over here, you know? Now, the counterpoint is we've always been told that, oh, the Shanahan series, uh, system is complex. It takes a year or two for everyone to get to handle to it. That's why it met, took Matt Ryan a year before he became the MVP. That's why Garoppolo sat for five or six weeks before they finally stuck him in after the trade. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Trey Lance has not played football since 2019, except for that one exhibition game. Yes. And he's coming from FCS. It's a huge jump. And I yeah. do tend to trust Shanahan's instincts when he says that oh, he's not ready yet. But he's not – at some point, it's now. Like, Garoppolo is hurt. you got to stick him in. Define unready. Unready to be Matt Ryan the Super Bowl year or unready to get out and get you through a game or two and look half decent? He's going to be better than Nick Mullins. He's going to be better than C.J. Beathard. You know, we've seen this before, and they're going to be better with him than they have been the years past. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be Lance. So looking at some of the old San Francisco stats, I don't know how useful that is because with Lance, things are going to be different. I would think that the whole scheme is going to be different. The dependence on the yards after contact should be the same. Yeah. And San Francisco uh, is currently 6.7 average yards after contact, which is third in the NFL. The NFL average is 5.3, but Arizona is only allowing an average of 4.4 yards after contact. So their mm-hmm. defense, their un- unsung defensive players are doing a good job of preventing yards after contact. Everyone in Arizona is doing a good job. Everyone is being the best version of themselves in Arizona this year. I don't know how long that can continue. Exactly. I think it can continue for one more week, to be quite honest. Things things are working right right now. The nightmare for me is is always Kyler Murray. uh, Because the the Niners have played him four times. He has had 34, 67, 75, and 91 rushing yards in those four games. They cannot stop Kyler Murray. He's going to be running all over the field. And the, the Cardinals are going to win by 14 points. I'm going to have two. They're going to have the bye week to be arguing over quarterbacks in San Francisco. Fun. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like a good quarterback controversy. That's at least that's. You know, a, I think Philadelphia fan knows that, right? Yeah, I mean that sounds like a less depressing quarterback controversy, though. I mean your your team is has been doing well very recently. I now you think of that, it is similar to some of the stuff we saw here. Last year, because you guys are a couple of years removed from the Super Bowl, yeah. and everyone is soured on the starter, um, <laughs> right? But but you know you don't have that X factor of of the orchid, you know. Uh, so but we've also talked about this, but Garoppolo does not suck, no. right? Like Garoppolo is is more like an Alex Smith. Like right. you can win with him. He can operate that offense. He's better than what Jared Goff has been the last year or two. Like he's. He's not – I don't know how much he's really holding them back per se. He's just not moving them forward. I would hate to see him in a vanilla system and see, like, where his 
limits really lie. Like, yeah, if, if Shanahan's doing it with his thing or if somebody's doing some kind of really wide open thing where it's five wide and he's just quickly distributing, I can see him doing that. I would hate to say, well, here you are. You're now the franchise quarterback for a team that is installing something new and we're going to rely on your pure athleticism and decision-making. I yeah, don't that's think my, one of the reasons why I was not uh, a big fan of the idea of bringing Garoppolo back to New England. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that was that was just a New England storyline. That was yeah. that was a tale being told around the campfire on your talk radio shows and among your columnists. That was not something I don't think anybody in house in Foxborough was excited for. It, it blows my mind that people were still bringing it up after the Mac Jones pick. Like, stop right. trying to make fetch happen, guys. The story's over. Like, <laughs> that pick ended the story. Story's over now. Don't, right. don't keep trying to make that happen. Right. Have you watched these games? Have you watched this guy? Matthias01 says, seriously, Shanahan got slightly above average performance from Mullins. It's baffling. For a week or two. How, how long did the Nick Mullins thing really last? Yeah, it it for lasted, the first, first season. It lasted for his first season. Yeah. And then it went and then it stopped. It stopped very abruptly. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm having a hard time believing both of you because your voices both got so high defending him. Yeah. No, because I know how bad he looked like in the preseason of this year. But it yeah. really – his numbers are for a few weeks, like when he was the starting quarterback in San Francisco, are good. That Raiders game on it must have been Monday night, not Sunday night. Thursday night. It, was, it was a Thursday night. It was just it, that that that's why picking this week's game is hard because you have a new quarterback coming in that you haven't game planned for. Shanahan's going to go all out for it. It's possible you see that you know what I'm going to call everything in my playbook. I'm going to draw up so many plays that there's no way a quarterback can hurt us. Yeah, so I, I call Nick Mullins one of those Thursday night heroes where it's the only game on. It's a bad game. He has like a good game, and then like the everybody has to comment on it on Twitter. And by the time they're done, he's Steve Young. Uh, so I, I don't recall that he was that much that good that many weeks afterwards. Niners fans were convinced we could get a second round, maybe even a first round pick for Nick Mullins. It was amazing. I, I just the Twitter and Reddit were going crazy about all the trade value we're getting from Nick Mullins. <laughs> okay, let me. I'm going to do this real quick because I need to be vindicated. So that game against the Raiders, 34-3, three touchdowns. Next week, lost to the Giants, a touchdown, two interceptions, good uh, 70% completion. Next week, a loss to the Buccaneers, one touchdown, two interceptions, 56% completion. I don't know. I don't have the DVA in front of me, but uh, he had a couple of better, decent games after that. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I enjoyed the Nick Mullins era because the season was <laughs> over and it was fun. <laughs> he had 4.2% passing DVOA in 2018. Okay. I mean, that's good. Minus good. minus 7.7 .7 in 2020. That's yeah. less good. <laughs> That's not as good, but still not horrific. But, you know, some of that is the Shanahan system. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Cardinals by five and a half. And this is the game this week that the FO plus picks uh, have no pick on. Huh. So the, our, our predicted line was Cardinals by five and a half. I'm taking so, Cardinals by five and a half. You're I, taking I, Cardinals I, by five and a half. I, th I think Arizona is going to have like a 14-point lead going into the fourth quarter. Trey Lance is going to have that last-minute touchdown drive to make things respectable. And I'm going to have two weeks of, of analyzing that film like it's, like it's the Zapruder film and trying to find every single possible <laughs> way to figure out who's starting in, in uh, week seven against the Colts. 17 takeaways from Trey Lance's 14 pass attempts. Exactly. Uh, it, it, yeah, I usually love the – 
rookie quarterback making his first start when they've had a week to prepare. I usually love that as a like an old gambler's trick here. I don't like it in this case. I think that he's good enough to get them, like you said, to within eight or within whatever. Also a kicker problem in San Francisco, and that gets you a little nervous. Oh, you're going to need the 48-yarder, 50-yarder. Cardinals have a lot of good luck against kickers. Now they're facing Joey Sly instead of Robbie Gould. So I'm, gonna, I'm leaning towards the Cardinals uh, minus five and a half. I'm going to lean towards the 49ers. I just Ooh. I just have a hard time believing the Cardinals are as good all around as they've looked this year. And right. I like five and a half points. I like four and a half. I will say I am four, four and a half. Four. You have it at four and a half. I have the four Vegas Insider consensus at five and a half. I mean, it's up to the second here. Like it is, it is, it is oh, getting wow. updated okay. as we speak. This is real time, real time. Four and a half. So you get minus four and a half here. So does that change your mind if you're uh, looking for points there? Um, I, I don't know if there's a huge difference between having five and a half. Yeah. I think I'd still go San Francisco till it got to four. Yeah, yeah. It's not like the eight to seven shift would change my mind or seven. Right. Five to four doesn't. Five and a half to four and a half doesn't change things much, but getting to four changes things. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I'm zero for four picking Niners games this year, so the fact that I'm taking the Cardinals should not uh, be considered happy. <laughs> Okay, next next game, Giants at Cowboys. Woo. I know that doesn't sound exciting, but I do want to point out this is a national TV game for the most part. Most of the country, based on the maps at 506 Sports, are getting this game in the late window. Not Chargers-Browns and not Cardinals-49ers. You're, uh, you're, no, you're not. You're in Chicago, right? I'll be in Carolina this weekend, but yeah. You'll be getting, I, I, you'll be getting I, this I, game. It's only yeah. the West Coast that's getting the Cardinals and the 49ers. So most of the, of the, the, the country is getting Giants and Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys 90% of the time make the playoffs with a win, 71% with a loss. Giants 21% with a win, 6% with a loss. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott leads the NFL in rushing DYAR. He is also number one in next-gen stats, rushing yards over expectations. Tony Pollard is third in DYAR, and he's also third in rushing yards over expectation. And the Giants are 26th in defense against the run. But then, yeah. That's not they make up for it for not that being very good against the pass or being very good offensively. Correct. Yes. Useful Baker says, all I can say to that news about the national game is that thankfully there is the red zone channel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We, we, we're with you on that. Um, and I'm, I'm in Philadelphia, which is definitely just going to be a New York game here. Um, yeah. I, you know, I was looking for advantages for the giants and the most obvious one is the deep passing advantage. And uh, I don't have it in front of me. Tune in uh, to walk through on Friday and Daniel Jones, I believe is fourth in uh Adjusted net yards per attempt on passes over 15-plus yards downfield. And ca- the Cowboys are 21st in DVOA against deep passes. So, yes, right. it is a weakness. Right. So you've, got the, time. so you've got the idea. What I think is what's going to happen is that the Cowboys will matriculate down the field consistently, and then there will be deep shots occasionally by the Giants. And I think it's one of those games where it's not going to be a blowout, but it's going to be a high-scoring game where the Giants are just consistently, you know, two scores out of reach for most of the game. Yes, not like five scores out of reach. No, no, not a joke. By the way, I want to hit you with this prop for this game. Right. Available right now on DraftKings. Dak Prescott and Daniel Jones combined over 549.5. 
549.5. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the Giants' passing offense looked better with Kenny Galladay healthy and Kadarius Tony actually being a thing that existed in space. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Useful Baker says take that over. So, yeah, I, yeah. I like the over on that 549.5, definitely. Yeah, it's a fun little bet. And as the Eagles fan, you can sit there and just like, go, go, go play, boys. Go play, boys. And then, you know, whoever wins, you know, you deal with it. Do you know the Cowboys is kind of shocking? They're currently the number one defense against wide receiver ones. That's not that shocking given how Trevon Diggs has yeah. played this year. They're number five against wide receiver twos. Huh. So They're it's all underneath? By tight ends and other wide receivers. Okay. So it's all underneath. So it's time for Kadarius Tony, the mystery and man. Evan Ingram, yeah. And Evan Gra- Ingram with his hands like ankles. Uh <laughs> To get to, to get out there, and you're right. The Giants do have a diversity of weapons. Daniel Jones is playing better, you know. But I, I, it was funny. I, I think I mentioned it in walkthrough. You know, in Baldy's breakdowns, Brian Baldinger was acting like this offense has come alive and is about to like change the way we think about football. And it's like it was twenty to seven, and they were they had seven points in the fourth quarter, and then they then they got hot uh, against the, the Saints, who kind of collapsed. Yeah, in a game where the Saints had the higher DVOA, so there was a lot of luck involved in winning that game. That was a weird game. That was a weird game. Uh, Cowboys by seven. I would take the Cowboys minus seven. Yeah. No, no, I don't even think about that one too much. Yeah, and that's fine. And the seven is right on the line of me wondering if this is going to be like a 34-27 or a 34-28. So that's why I went for that prop bet there to get yeah to get i like that the receiving prop bet that's a good yeah. one yeah uh last game to talk about for this week is the buffalo bills at the kansas city chiefs this is the biggest game of the week folks uh the bills the chance for the bills to make the statement that they are the best team in the league uh but it's a much more important game for the chiefs i think yeah uh the bills make the playoffs 98 of the time if they win 92 percent if they lose the Chiefs, 84% if they win, 65% if they lose. Super Bowl, the Bills win the Super Bowl 23% of the time if they win this game, 17% if they lose. The Chiefs, 12% if they win, 6% if they lose. Like Even if they lose this game, the Bills still look really good for the number one seed in the AFC because the rest of their schedule is so easy. Although, interestingly, in simulations where the Chiefs win this game, the number one team for the number one seed becomes the Ravens. Yeah. The Ravens. Okay. And then the bills and then the chiefs. Yeah. So I went to do research on this game and it was really hard to do research that said anything other than the chiefs offense is awesome. Mm-hmm. The chiefs defense is terrible. The bills defense has been awesome. The bills offense has been mediocre. In every way, like in every split, like, yeah, it was hard to find anything that didn't go against that. No. Like, I think that part of the wrap-up here is it, the mindset is the Bills' offense should be better than this. Their yeah. defense is not going to be as good as it's looked so far. Right. right. Their offense should be better than this. But then again, what we know about defense being less consistent than offense suggests the Chiefs' defense should also be better than this. <laughs> Right. Yeah, right. but how much better than this? That's the problem with the Chiefs' defense. It's yeah. so bad that you know, there's even even a significant jump is still has it as a significant problem for them. That, Except that the significant jump from historically miserable to just a bad defense with that offense can propel you deep into the playoffs and get you a win in this game. 
Here's okay. my favorite stat of the week that I didn't get to use. Patrick Mahomes is throwing a touchdown pass on 9.9% of his passing attempts. Okay. That hasn't been done since 1954. It would be the sixth highest percentage of all time. Bobby Lane? Uh, Sid Luckman, then two Frankie Albert seasons, and then, you might remember the Eagle fan, uh, Tommy Thompson and Adrian Burke, old school Eagles. Yeah, not necessarily known for their big passing pro- prowess either. Uh, yeah. So it was like a, a, a low passing attempt offense. Yeah. Or, or the T formation just destroying the NFL in the 1940s. That's yeah. what Patrick Holmes is doing right now. Yeah, so screen passes to Van Buren is probably what that was there. But, you know, you're right, Aaron. I was trying to, like, write, like, okay, my walkthrough game preview, and it's like this game is, like, impenetrable to, like, a new interesting piece of analysis. I'm like, hey, you know what's good? The Chiefs. You know what's bad? Their defense. It's like you're like stuck being like, you know, like, right. I mean, you're stuck being like the Bills. The Bills defense has done this against bad teams. They're probably yeah. not this good. The defense, right? The yeah. Houston game is really, really extreme. Uh, but also, the the Bills offense is should be better than this. So. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and it's like, hey, reader, are you aware that they just played the Texans, who are awful in the rain? And before? like, yeah, you know that. So it's like you, you come through, <laughs> and you're right what you can. But that's why I look at this. It's like I, we'll make our picks at the end. We need to see this game. Yes. To comprehend sometimes, the IFC. Sometimes the first level analysis is correct. You know, this is going to be a really <laughs> great game against a really great offense and a really great defense. Right. And then the other side of the ball, well, things will occur too. You know, it is. It, Sometimes you don't need to get much deeper than that. But, I mean, I think the Bills should be able to score against the Chiefs. Like, I have a very hard time imagining the Chiefs' defense with the Chiefs running away with this game the way they did with the playoff game last year. The the two things with the Bills' offense, one is they're goofing around in fourth quarters, which may make their offense look a little weaker statistically. And they have these little brownouts. So we talked about the Seahawks having brownouts. They have these sequences in a row where Josh Allen throws his goofy, I think I'm the MVP interception. Or they make some other little sloppy mistakes. So Washington, they had this like, like fugue state, like right before halftime, where everything went wrong for like like a half hour of real time, and then they went back and killed them. So you get little moments like that. And it's like, well, those are similar to the Chiefs' little moments, except that the other team is useless, and and therefore you just get the ball back and you score and you win. So there are little things like that in there. But I again, when they're facing the Chiefs and it's on the line, I think they'll be. Fine, they might make a mistake or two, but it's not going to be like the second half where it's just handing off in the rain because you're already winning by 35 points. Yeah, I it's this is a tough game to call. Like I, I, because in my heart, I feel like the Chiefs are better than what we've seen this year. Yeah, and the Bills are not as good on defense as what we saw last week because that was just massively extreme. I mean, it was the best game ever. <laughs> not repeatable, right? Right. Um. But I do feel like the Bills are very good. Like, and the Chiefs defense, the Chiefs defense does seem to be not as good as we expected it to be. Or uh, I guess a better way to put that would be uh, not as mediocre as we expected. Like, right. it, like it's really bad. Like we thought it would be just kind of bad, and instead it's been really bad. Yes. Um, but I've gone back and forth on this game during the week. Like I was like, I kind of like the Bills, but then I kind of like the Chiefs to maybe solve their problems by the time we get to the playoffs. And now I'm kind of feeling a little bit more like I favor the Chiefs. Right. I I, I favor the Chiefs, but it is it's like, well, yeah, I will make my pick. It's the Chiefs. I'm not putting money on the game. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I would feel a lot better putting money on this game if the line was three, but it's Chiefs by two and a half. 
But let's check that. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's been moving because everyone's not quite sure what to make of it. Some places do have it at three. Some places do seem to have it at three. But the, the consensus is two and a half. There's all kinds of crazy props here, but I'm not going to go into them because it's, it's absolute lunacy. Yeah, I would bet on the offensive one. Yeah, the over is real high on it too. Cause really it's like, high, 56 and a half. Yeah, and it's like, eh, I, I, I don't like that. That's too much. That's too hot and heavy. And I can't find the game, so I, I don't know what this. Although, I, hey, look, I went over 54 and, a, 54, 54 and a half on tonight's game. So going over 56 and a half isn't that much of a jump. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it's it's this is like a hard game to preview because the teams have been so extreme this year, and it's really right. like let's just see what it actually looks like when they play each other on the field. Right, you and know, I think we've seen, we've seen the Chiefs in three nip and tuck battles, and then the Eagles game was more of a what I was describing earlier. Hey, we've got a two score lead, and we can let you hang around. Uh, and we've seen the Bills in one weird game against the Steelers and then just devastation. Generally, in the game, I think a lot of us were just watching on film because we weren't watching it at 1 o'clock because it was like the sixth most important game. So, you know, it, it's, it's like I think we know the Chiefs and like we're guessing on the Bills based on the fact that they're killing these very weak opponents. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you had to go two and a half, I've gone back and forth on this. Right now, I would go Chiefs minus two and a half. But yeah. I've gone back and forth on this all week. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you there. I mean, I, I, I it was it was at minus three when I looked at it, and I just I'm not touching that. Yeah, so I guess I'll take the extra half point. <laughs> yeah, I'm at Chiefs minus three right now as we speak. And if I, if if you want me to make a pick, that's what I'm making. Yeah. I was gonna say at minus three, I think I would go Bills. I think I'd go Bills plus three. I think you that, that has to make a difference. Push Zilla. You want push Zilla to save you in the fourth quarter if things get Well, it's a possibility. Yeah. All right, folks. That does it for Football Outsiders Live. Thank you so much for joining us today to preview week five. Mike Tanier, Brian Knowles, thank you guys for being here. A reminder, we are here wherever you're watching us. We are in that place at 1 p.m. Eastern all five days a week. And later on, you can also get us on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network on your favorite podcast service. And if you're listening to us as a podcast, please rate the show because it helps people find us and hopefully more people listen to us. So that does it for week five. Scott Spratt will be here tomorrow at 1 p.m. to talk about Daily Fantasy. And I will be back on Monday to review week five when we've actually seen what Buffalo and Kansas City do to each other. So everybody have a good weekend, and uh, Scott will be here tomorrow at 1.